welcome to another episode of Downton Gabby, Life After Downton. This week on the podcast, we are discussing the comfort shows we are watching while the world burns around us, and we pretend that that isn't happening for an hour or two. I'm Brandy in Los Angeles. I'm Shannon in Oakland. And I'm Teresa in Brooklyn. So before we get into the main topic, do we have any Downton news about the movie? Why, yes, we do, Brandy. As our Downton movie correspondent, will you please let us know what's happening? (laughs) Uh, This is your Downton correspondent reporting on all the stuff that you may have already read, but it's news to us, so here we go. So the Downton movie is releasing in North America on September 20th of 2019 and in Europe a week earlier on September 13th. I think all three of us are going to fly to London and try to crash the premiere. Is that right, ladies? I honestly want to do oh my that. God. <laughs> yeah, it'd be so fun. Is there anyone out there listening who has an idea of how we can get invites to the premiere or even just one of the parties around it so that because like I'm like that seven days is going to be untenable in between right <laughs> Europe time and East Coast. It's, I mean really when you factor in the times it's seven and a half days for me I mean I can't you know maybe the people who used to illegally post Downton Abbey when it um aired in the UK could also illegally post the Downton Abbey movie. Not that I ever no. watched it illegally. No, no. just I say would. no to pirating, but I'm just saying. Okay, in other news, filming has wrapped at Highclere Castle, so that is all done now. Was that really quick? Does it feel like... I feel like that yeah, was quick. Yeah, it feels really quick, but you know, that's all the upstairs stuff, so the downstairs stuff, you know, they True. do with the studio. I'm sure it was also kind of like they're used to filming on a TV schedule, like getting the well-oiled machine back together. Yeah. You know. So I um, I went over to IMDb uh, because I was curious who was directing the movie. Um, it's Michael Engler who did direct some of the last episodes of um, Downton Abbey, the show. And he's also the director uh, signed up for Gilded Age, which is Julian's apparently still happening. <laughs> Julian's yeah, is that maybe happening or what? One day it will happen. Show, but he's also directed a lot of cool TV, like Thirty Rock and Sex in the City and Brooklyn Nine Nine, and it's just sort of uh, Kimmy Schmidt. He's done a ton of Kimmy Schmidt episodes. That's like some wacky humor there. So that's really interesting. I also noticed on the IMDb entry that um, the character of Edith is listed as Lady Edith Crawley instead of the Marchioness of Hexham, which is her proper title, which I think is really awkward. Maybe they just didn't know how to spell it. That's a lot of, that's a lot of letters. I mean, who knows what kind of intern. I don't that. know, but I'm, I'm very, very disturbed by that, by this breach if of protocol. If we get to go to the premiere, let's definitely get like some t-shirts made <laughs> with their proper title on it. It's Marchioness of Hexham. Um, apparently, Matthew Good, uh, otherwise known as, what did you used to call him, Shannon? Mr. Yum Yum. How could you forget that, Therese? How could you know. forget that? It's very special to me, Mr. Yum Yum. So Mr. Yum Yum is only showing up at the end of the film, so I don't know if that means that Mary and Henry are on the rocks or what. Let's get serious. They probably are. Yeah. Yeah. I think they probably are, too. I mean, I didn't expect that one to last. Divorce is going to come more in vogue. Mm -hmm. 
I just, I don't know. I, I don't think those two are going to make it. Not like Edith and Bertie. You know, those two, those two crazy kids are going to make They're it. solid. Yeah. I mean, I just think Henry's, like, bored out of his mind at that car dealership, you know? I mean. God. I am. Yeah. I hope we don't have to spend much time there in the movie. Yeah, I'm bored just thinking about it, so I can imagine how Henry feels. Just so long as they don't do where Mary and Tom finally realize they're in love with each other, which I really was like. Ew, no. No. I feel like the seeds were planted for that, and I am very against it. I'm extremely against that. I'm going to send a sternly worded note to Julian Fellows on (laughs) engraved stationery by Carrier Pigeon. Last but not least, uh, I didn't know this, but apparently back in August, Dan Stevens posted to Instagram. It was a very cute photo of him with Michelle Dockery and Alan Leach, and he has a big old mustache. And the question he asks is, should Matthew have a mustache for the Downton Abbey movie, which sent his followers into spasms? I love it. I mean, if they just went like he had a long lost twin who comes or something, I mean, any anything to get him in yeah. there. What about old bandit face? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And do you think Mrs. O'Brien's going to come back? Mrs. O'Brien? Has she been on anything? No, she's not even in the credits on IMDb. What about her bangs? <laughs> They're not. Remember there was that Twitter account? <laughs> Remember our old friends on Twitter? There was Lady Mary's eyebrows, mm-hmm. Mrs. O'Brien's bangs. Yeah. <laughs> Remember what fun we had when life was fun? When life was simpler. Yeah. I think there was even one for Mosley's bicycle. I mean, there was like everything. We <laughs> <laughs> really well, handed it to people. It was it was a lot of fun. So this this is a perfect time for me to interject because I've become recently become involved in a new project that perhaps you've seen me tweet about which is a recap podcast about Deadwood and so we are in this throes of kind of how we used to be with Down, with Down Abbey and all of these like Deadwood characters are like making friends with us on Twitter Love it. And so I get involved in these conversations with like E.B. Farnham and <laughs> Al Swearingen <laughs> Seth Bullock, Bullock's mustache, you know, like all the people like who are who have come out of the woodwork because of the the Deadwood movie announcement and have fired up these Twitter accounts to pretend that they're the characters. I mean, it really is a little slice of a simpler life. It's quite nice. That sounds great. I honestly admire these people that like they see something and they create a Twitter account right away. I mean, remember back in the day of binders full of women and then all of a sudden there was like all these binders accounts on Twitter and like, I mean, it's just amazing how people are like, ah, let me make a Twitter account and, you know, mock all this. And it's, it's wonderful. My favorite is always when an animal escapes from the zoo and then it's like, (laughs) red candle on the loose Twitter. (laughs) Well, I do love the title of your podcast, Ladywood. I think it's spot on. Of course, I love a woman in the name of anything, so I'm into it. And, you know, I think when we get closer to the movie, we'll be binging the show, and then we'll be binging the podcast with it. So really looking forward to that. Yeah. I'm really having to, uh, you know, restrain myself from just watching it all because we're recording basically, like, uh, to release one a week. 
And I really want to just binge it now that I've started. But I'm like, this will be so much better if I just rewatch as I go along. Because I haven't seen it in a good, like, eight years probably. You know, I remember the big arcs, but I don't remember all the little details. And that's a show where it's really, like, the details are incredible. So, yeah, please listen. Um, The co-hosting with my fellow LA TV writer folks, Lynn Sternberger and Sita Shang. And um, you can subscribe on iTunes now. Or follow us on Tumblr at ladywoodpodcast.tumblr.com. And we'll probably be up on some more uh, streaming podcast services pretty soon as well. Awesome. Wonderful. Can't wait. Can't wait to listen and really think back to the good old days of watching Deadwood and Lost. And those were the TV shows of that time. (sighs) Yeah. So as the world burns, I mean, this podcast probably will come out before the election, but we're all feeling the nerves of it anyways. And so we thought we'd do a podcast all about the comfort TV we're watching since really shows like The Handmaid's Tale are just too scary. So what are you guys watching to calm our frightful little selves? As I was thinking about what to talk about on this podcast, I remembered the terrible no good days right after the 2016 election. And how I watched so much Star Trek The Next Generation (laughs) on Netflix. Just skipping around to my favorite episodes because they had to be, like, the softer ones. Like, even the ones where, like, Q was fucking with them were too much. (laughs) Too much stress. Like, too much stress. And it just seemed too much like, you know, an evil man coming in and fucking everything up. (laughs) But in general, I just love the sort of utopian view of the future the way most episodes revolve around the crew having to work together to solve the problem. They all really, really respect each other, even when they disagree. Um, And so then recently I started a full from the beginning rewatch of Deep Space Nine. And that's really been what I turn to when I feel like anything that's sort of, yeah, The Handmaid's Tale or these really other intense dramas when that's just too much. I'm like, let me hang out with Julian and Kira and Odo for a minute. I like them better. <laughs> I've actually also been um, binging Next Generation recently, and I hadn't thought about that until um, you were talking about it. But it's it's a show I've been watching, but I have to start in the middle of season three because really that's when it oh, <laughs> like yeah. it's not good. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> when when Ronald <laughs> D. Moore joins. Yeah, I my my policy is to skip the Wharf episodes. You don't want to watch him, like, in a Klingon battle or whatever? I don't know. I don't know why. Like, Worf just doesn't quite do it for me. Also, usually when Troy's mom shows up, that's also a little... And the... Yeah. I love She's good in small doses. About? And then and then mostly, <laughs> mostly as soon as I see a Ferengi, I'm out. <laughs> well, yeah, because their whole thing is, like, they're not feminists or whatever. Like, the creators of the show basically say that... Frangies were supposed to be humans. <laughs> they were based off of 20th century humans because they treated their women so badly. Yeah. So so, so it's like <laughs> Teresa out whenever I see one of those Frangy like things that they wear on their head. I uh, I think that Star Trek is a really great place to live right now. Well, I think I'm gonna sign myself back up. I mostly watched it as a kid and then just kind of spot episodes here and there when it's been on TV. I haven't done a full rewatch, so noted and I will, I will engage. Thank you. Engage. Engage. I get it. I get it. (laughs) 
Yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) I was disappointed that the new series was very serialized, very intense. I felt like it just... It just made me want to go back and live at Deep Space Nine even more than I already did, unfortunately, even though I really want to like it, particularly with, you know, the female lead of color. It's just, you know, I'll come back to it later, I think. Right now, it's a little much. What else are you watching, Brandy? Uh, an embarrassing amount of HGTV. Yes, 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 yes. I want to talk about tiles. I want to talk about indoor or outdoor living in an open concept because it has nothing to do with politics. <laughs> the people who like, if they can't remodel their upstairs ensuite is their biggest problem in life. You know, like there's, it's, it's sort of a duality where part of me is like, I hate these people and I feel superior to them and that makes me feel better. But then also pretending that there's a world where that is the biggest problem also makes me feel better. So could go either way the the sad thing though is like there is a world where that is the biggest problem and we live in a parallel universe to it well I also feel like I can make the case that a lot of these shows are super feminist um so the shows I mean Brandy I'm not sure what you're watching there's a lot of choices um and I'm watching Desert Flippers I'm going back to Old Fixer Upper (laughs) I just started watching Hidden Potential um, but they all feature really strong women who are entrepreneurs. I mean, like, Joanna Gans has built, like, an empire, and you got to hand it to her. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, she's got, like, the silo. She's got stores. She's got an online store. She's got a Target brand. She somehow had another kid, which, well, that's a lot of kids, but whatever. But, like, you got to hand it to her. Like, she had a talent, and she figured out how to make it into the business of her dream. So, And then with Desert Flippers, the woman on that, she does all the demolition, too. So, like, she's not, like, hands-off during the demolition. She's in there doing it, and I got to respect that, too. So, I feel like there is, you know, yeah, it's fluffy. It's whatever. I mean, usually the couples, they have, like, really annoying banter, and you just kind of have to tune it out. But I do feel like the women themselves are pretty strong and creative, and they're making businesses out of it. So I see your point. There's definitely, there was one I really liked that I think got canceled. That was called listed sisters, which was basically property brothers, but with twin sisters instead of twin brothers. <laughs> Are those the redheads? No, they were, um, they were of middle Eastern descent, I think. Oh. Uh, but then there's the mom and daughter good bones, which is probably what you're thinking. Okay. Of. I saw that when I was traveling. And they are like, <laughs> that one is set in Indianapolis and it's almost too much because they can buy a house for like 40 grand. Oh yeah. So for everyone in the Bay area, you just have to really, it's hard. It's hard. Especially that show hometown, which is great, but they're like, you can buy this house for $50,000. And I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. I can't even buy this room. I'm sitting in for $50,000. So there, you know, you just have to let Mm -hmm. it go. Just let it go. I'm paying for the culture. I'm paying for the Mm -hmm. culture, you know, and let it go. But yeah, that's part of it. You know, I honestly, you know, my, my gateway drug was the property brothers that Brandy got me into, but I quickly went to the more female oriented shows because I think those guys are kind of jerks. So I really, I think there are some strong creative females to get into on their, on the list of shows. Yeah. I think my favorite from the offerings is Love It or List It. And then <laughs> oh, the, what I classic. really like is the Canadian version, Love It or List It 2, which is co-hosted by Jillian, who was the Bachelorette like 15 years ago. Oh, God. <laughs> 
Haven't she watched like, it. I'll check it out. Uh, it was probably too long ago, but she was like one of the very first bachelorettes back when I used to actually watch that show in like college or first post college. And now she's just like this bouncy interior designer who has a design show in Canada. Like you're saying, Shannon, you know, like the, in a way, these represent opportunities for women. Yeah. And I mean, when you really think about it, like with the hidden potential woman and like especially desert flippers, like these women aren't just doing design, they're doing construction. And they're, I mean, that's just such a male dominated thing. And they're really in there doing the construction and especially in desert flippers, like her husband is taking a cue from her. Um, you know, she's really the one in charge. So I feel like, yeah, it's fluffy, it's silly, but there's a lot that you can still get behind as a feminist woman, which I feel like is a big problem with reality TV is I, why I didn't dip my toe in it for so long. I mean, I think you can make the same case for Top Chef. You know, uh, now, is the judging always feminist? No. As Please can... refer to the blog post I did where I added up all the wins and losses of male and female chefs yeah. through the first, yeah. like, seven seasons or whatever it was when I was angry and had enough time on my hands to do such a thing. It's objectively sexist in the judging. Yes, and there's a lot of great burn pieces about the New Orleans season and the really fucked up final decision that are actually a delight <laughs> to read but there are really strong women contestants and I would say like Gail and even Padma are really strong women who are in this field and have a lot of expertise so I think that you know what I mean it's like you can find these reality shows that you can still feel comfortable watching as a strong feminist I criticize Top Chef as a as a mega fan of Top Chef not as someone who's like <laughs> don't watch that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's been one of our comfort shows since the election is watching old seasons of Top Chef. So. <laughs> I I even um, watched the latest season of Great British Baking Show, which I was determined never to watch because Mary Berry was gone, as were Mel and Sue. But that's mm -hmm. how bad it's gotten. So I watched it. <laughs> I heard it was good. It was fine. It was, I mean, you know, I think they're finding their way, these new people, because Mel and Sue were such strong personalities, but you know mm -hmm. what? It's okay. Like, like at its heart, it's still the same show. And, okay. um, and it was good. It was a good season. And, you know, when the person won at the end, I started crying like I do at the end of every season of Great British Baking Show. Um, so I, I was really happy. And of course, you know, it's a very egalitarian thing. Like either your souffle rises or it doesn't, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. True. It's very true. Well, I I keep seeing that on Netflix. I'm like, am I going to go there? So that's good to know because, look, when the going gets rough, you need great British baking show in your back pocket. That's mm -hmm. just what you need. Yeah. So that's good to know. Yeah. But really, Mel and Sue, how do they nail those dad jokes so well? I... It's, it's really tough to understand. They just had such talent to make them so enjoyable. Well, Brandy... You know what season has begun, your favorite season, which is Hallmark movies. Hallmark movie season. Oh, it's really too bad that Meghan Markle isn't allowed to make them anymore, though. <laughs> <laughs> She's in a real life one, you know? She's in a real life Hallmark movie. Yeah, I mean, speaking of things that I defend, even while we're like on the surface, they don't seem like something that a, you know, raging feminist should like. I do. I, I am unapologetic about how much I like Hallmark movies. And yes, we are like, as we're recording, it's 
the 30th of October. So just one more day of fall harvest season before the Christmas countdown season begins. Oh my God. Well, you got to hand it to him. It's never just a man on the line. There's always a promotion too. I feel like (laughs) that's what they've done to make it more feminist is she's up for a big promotion and she's got to go to a small town for some reason and she's going to fall in love with a man. But she's, she always gets both in the end. Yeah, spoiler. <laughs> she gets it all. Isn't, isn't that the plot of Sweet Home Alabama? Basically, okay. yes. So, so, yeah. Good, I mean, like, good. like, literally, I think they just have, like, magnetic poetry of, like, gingerbread contests, like, picking a tree out, cookie decorating, some child shows up. I don't know. They, and they just mix it all around, and then that's the order of the movies, and... You know, they just throw a dart at the wall and they're like, they're going to Colorado. You know, I don't know. It's not that different, but they're really fun. It's really just, it's what province of Canada they can film in and pretend is what U.S. city. You get a lot of Vancouver for Seattle. You get a Mm -hmm. lot of Toronto for New York. You get a lot of random planes pretending to be Montana. Yeah. (laughs) I was really sick last week um, with a sinus infection and, you know, under the autumn moon and harvest love. My God. Great for me. So question, since I am cable challenged, where could someone like me dip their toe into the Hallmark movie experience? Unfortunately, Hallmark themselves, you pretty much need to have cable. But the good news is, is that Netflix is trying to get on a, in on some of the sweet, sweet action. They are totally piggy banking off of it. Like to the point where last year when the Christmas Prince came out and people were flipping out over it, I was like angry. I was like, Hallmark's been doing this for years. <laughs> yeah. I watched it and I was like, this movie is like not even good as your standard Lacey Chabert Christmas Hallmark movie. <laughs> I agree. So yeah, and like Hulu, Amazon, they all have them now. So they all have, just type in Christmas, it'll be like Christmas crush or whatever. Yeah, but the the true Hallmark ones, you know, if you're going to rank them, Ellie and I, our top favorite is anything that's a royal, you know, she's got to show up and she's a governess and, you know, for a royal family, those are always really good. Um, So those always, those will be the ones that we'll go for first over the Christmas season. Okay, for sure. I think, like, the royal ones also tend to have a character who's playing, like, the queen or something. Like, there's one with Jane Seymour where she has her own, like, secondary love story where I'm just like, yes, yes. Um, And then the other fun thing is that if you've been watching Hallmark movies for years, like I have, they have this, like, repertory theater of (laughs) actors that they recycle over and over. So I just want to give a shout-out to Taylor Cole, who is my favorite Hallmark lead. (laughs) Taylor... Any movie that you're in is going straight on my DVR, straight to the top. Love you, girl. You're the best. Yeah, it's, you don't have to think for a second. No, I'm just like, who's in this one? Because I do, I like, I don't watch all of them, but I usually look on my DVR every week and see what's going to be like the new Hallmark movie because they literally show a new one every Saturday night. It's a huge business. If it has an actor in it that I like, I record it and then I watch it whenever the mood strikes. And I tend to really like to watch them in the background on Saturdays or Sundays while I'm like cleaning or whatever. And then, you know, also they're just like a really nice thing to watch if you've had like a really bad day and your brain is fried, you know, yeah. like they're, they're just always there for you. I think that's part of the appeal. Like they are a perpetual thing that's always there for you. Well, and I think that if people were being really smart right now, they'd be pumping out rom-coms. I mean, that's what people want right now. I mean, Crazy Rich Asians was such a hit. And we know it's more than a rom-com, but seriously, like, people want to believe in, like, love and happiness and, like, simplicity. 
Like, everything feels so complicated that it's like, yeah, let's just go to the gingerbread house competition. Which, like, what two adults would ever do? But whatever. You're going to do it. There's, like, multiple Hallmark Christmas movies where it all revolves around either, like, a baking competition or an ice sculpting competition. There's multiple ice sculpting competitions. One. I'm telling you, they they just have a word bank that they just go back to. I love it. I mean, my joy is sincere. So I feel like we have like the same list. So Therese, tell us what you're watching. <laughs> and I have to say I was heavily influenced by Brandy on both of these. So she started. I'm a, ba- I'm a bad or a good influence, depending on what side you take on this. She's a good influence. Well, I think, first of all, I need to find some way to watch Hallmark movies. But I mean, sort of on that same trend, I feel like I'm just living in the past right now. I'm watching... Poldark, which is in its fourth season on PBS mm-hmm. right now, streaming on PBS. And I know we have some Poldark fans out there. Like, Aiden Turner is so hot, and Poldark as a character is such a jerk. So I'm very <laughs> conflicted in, like, watching this show. But um, it's kind of great. And, like, life in, in um, late 1700s is uh, horrible for the poor people and the rich people are horrible people and it sort of puts things into perspective a little bit but this season Poldark has finally agreed to go to parliament sorry spoiler (laughs) and so maybe he will now make the world a better place so that's making me you know hopeful and then Outlander is starting on November 4th on Stars, And it's season four. This is when they're in America. I don't know what to say about Outlander except that like Sam Hewen, who plays Jamie Fraser, is a perfect man. And Claire is the most badass woman. And, you know, so just spending time with them also makes me very happy. And then finally, I've talked about this before as well. Um, a Place to Call Home oh, yeah. is this amazing... Australian soap opera, which you have to subscribe to Acorn to watch, but it's totally worth it. I have lived through six seasons with the Bly family, and it just, I just watched the very last episode of the whole series, and you find out what everyone's fates are, and I bawled like, like a deranged person. It was almost at the epic six feet under level. Mm -hmm. That's how completely moved I was by this but it's such a great series it is definitely a melodrama it takes place in the 1950s in Australia it concerns the rich Bly family and uh, the things going on in the town and everything is sort of turned upside down when this woman named Sarah Adams shows up in their little town of Inverness and just turns everyone's lives around it's so stylish the clothes are amazing The performances are really good. People learn important life lessons. They grow. They're decent to each other. There are like mustache twirling villains. It's kind of got everything. So I've been watching it really intensely since Acorn has been releasing the series. Um, What is Acorn? Thank you for asking. Uh, Acorn is a streaming service that has uh, mostly British and Australian shows. So if you're really into like British detective shows and things like that, Miss Fisher is on Acorn. It's It's got that kind of stuff on it. I really only subscribe to it to watch A Place to Call Home when a new season is released, but it's also got some other good things on it. I subscribe to it through Amazon. 
So it's a like a fairly low fee as these things go, and you just do it through your Amazon Prime account, and everything shows up within your Amazon. But a place a place to call home, I really, really recommend. It's really good. Was this a recommendation from a listener originally, that, and that's why you started watching it? Yes, I believe a listener did recommend it quite a while ago, and I was like, hmm, I'm into Australian melodrama. And that's why you started watching Poldark two years so much better. Than- yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're just over here watching the Property Brothers do another house in Nashville while you're, like, watching all the stuff. I have been, I ha- yeah, I have been watching Poldark because, well, it's not just listeners. Like, I have friends who are, like, deeply into Poldark. Is there something that is not readily available that would be a big comfort show to you if you could find it somewhere? Something from, like, the past or childhood, something like that? I have an answer for that, actually. I have been searching for this because it's not available at all right now. There's a Canadian series called Slings and Arrows. Oh, I've heard of that. McAdams first Yes, yes. Slings and Arrows is a three-season Canadian series about a fictional Shakespeare festival and all the drama between the actors and the creative director and the business guy. Rachel McAdams is one of the stars of the first season, and it's based on the Stratford Festival, which is a Canadian institution. It's really witty. It's really good. And every season they're doing a different Shakespeare play. So the this is so nerdy, but the story does sort of revolve <laughs> around, um, you know, the play that they're doing. Uh, I'm so into that. Yeah, yeah. So let us know if you find a way to watch that. And I've been, someone else recommended that to me outside of you. Because, I mean, well, Waiting for Guffman, hello. I love that. And I did theater for most of my life. So I'm into it. I'm a target demographic. So if you search Slings and Arrows, you will find a lot of posts that are like, where can I see Slings and Arrows? Is Slings and Arrows back yet? Is it available anywhere yet? Everyone is sort of waiting for it to pop up again. You know, my answer to this question would also be a Canadian show. They aired in the U.S. when I was a kid on the Disney Channel, um, which is Avonlea, or in Canada, Road to Avonlea, uh, based off of the Lucy Maud Montgomery books. Ah, yes. Oh, my God. God, I loved that show as a kid. Like, I don't know how well it would hold up, but because I've never been able to see it again. (laughs) That was the only time it ever aired in the U.S., as far as I know. But just said on that, like, turn of the century, Prince Edward Island at the same time as the, like, Anna Green Gables stuff. And it was Sarah Polly when she was a kid, was the star of the first couple seasons. But then there were characters on there that were, like, my first, like, OTP that I was really into. Felicity King and Gus Pike. The guy was, I mean, Gus was, like, not good enough for her. He was a lower class, whatever. But, you know, he wears her down over time because he's Gus Pike. Of course he wears her down over time. So, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know where these actors are. I don't know if any if they even stayed actors, but like I was very invested in the fact that Felicity and Gus had to get married eventually. <laughs> and I was yeah. if that show was available somewhere, like someone please let me know. There's a DVD like special edition for like 300 bucks I could buy or something and I'm like I can't. <laughs> I just can't, but I actually might because that's how bad I want to see it. Wow. Same as Slings and Arrows, there's some very expensive DVD you can buy somewhere if you're really desperate. 
I thought you were going to mention L.A. Complex, which is also a Canadian show, and I tried to... Ah, yes. Oh, oh my God, it's the best. I tried to find it. It's not on any of the streaming services, so I was like, am I going to buy this on iTunes? Maybe, because it's so good. Therese, they are bringing it back. <gasps> this is really... This is so exciting. L.A. Complex is a so good. with the same people. So, I mean, same creators. So it won't be the same actors and characters, uh, but it'll be, like, them doing this kind of story again, which I'm cautiously optimistic about. Yeah, so yeah, I'm sure one of the actors will make a cameo back, but it's going to be the same complex, but, like, new people living at it. But, I mean, I know our listeners have heard us talk about it, but L.A. Complex is a brilliant show. Yeah, I, I could watch it every week. It's so good. And every person I've ever recommended it to has been, like, enthusiastic about it. It's not like, oh, that was good. It's like, oh, my God. It's so good. Tell the listeners what it's about. So it's set in, like, an apartment complex with a pool in the middle that's really important. And it's all these struggling artists trying to make it in L.A. But they're all different. Like, one's a comedy writer, one's an actress, one's in music. So it's all them, and it's all their different stories. And it's just, like, it's fluffy, but they just go there. And the storylines are so deep and really fresh and interesting in ways that you've never really seen this kind of show handle the, like, heaviness and just the super funness of it. And it's a perfect show. The thing that gets me about the fact that it was canceled after two seasons is that it was so clearly, like, just a few years ahead of its time. It was. It's, it had storylines about sexism in Hollywood writers' rooms that, you know, people are now talking about every single day on Twitter. Um, it had a gay storyline that is the kind of thing where you absolutely expect to have that kind of storyline these days be done that well but i've never seen a storyline like that like to be fair like that storyline is still so fresh oh i totally agree but i think like that was one of the things that set my expectations really high for other shows that sometimes reach that level i think other cw shows have uh gay characters that are at the level of what i saw in la complex but a lot of shows don't or don't even try to go that real with it. Yeah. Like trying to talk about it without spoiling anything because I really want people to like watch it and really experience mm-hmm. yeah. it. Like I'm probably going to pay for it and rewatch it. Cause it's just, it's so good. And I mean, really even just like, I really liked brothers and sisters. I really like parenthood. I couldn't get into this is us, which I know is sacrilegious, but I just feel like I want another like big family show. Like I'm an only child. So I love all the big family shows with lots of siblings. Cause it's like looking at an alien planet. And I just feel like there's nothing really like that. I don't know. There's just nothing just about family and friends and just day-to-day relationships that I, I I usually want to have one show in my rotation like that. The other thing that I love about the original LA Complex is that it stars um, Jewel State, who, yeah. who is great. She was on Firefly and in Serenity. She was the engineer, the ship's engineer, if you remember her. And uh, it was just so nice to see her in something else. And she plays the sort of older, more experienced actress among that group. Raquel. I yes. wish she she was in the reboot. That would be fun. Still there. I still at the it. complex. How yeah. is her... You, know, you look at actresses like her and you're like, how did your career never really blow up? She's such a good actress. I think and... she works like really consistently, but mostly on Canadian stuff that never makes it to us. Mm. I follow her on Twitter, so she's doing fine. 
All right. That's she's an extremely now. handsome husband. So. <laughs> okay. And she's doing good. But I really do think, like, really the acting is pretty, pretty superior on the show. I mean, of the main characters, like, they are really handling some pretty meaty stuff. So really excited to hear that they're going to do reboot because it was definitely cut down too early because it was so good. And it was just really hitting, like, a good point in the show. And then it was, like, bam, done. Very much like Deadwood. As you will get to. <laughs> right? They bo- those both have cliffhangers that kind of haunt me. Yeah. So. Totally. So, you know, we've got our comfort TV. And then, you know, thinking about kind of what's what's new, what's fresh, what's our one fabulous thing. So I slightly alluded to this while we were talking, but um, I my one fabulous thing is a new show on the CW, which is the new Charmed which I did not expect to like very much because I didn't love the original. But I think this one kind of gets it a little bit more. Like, I'm into the tone. My main issue with the first one was the tone felt like it took itself too seriously for a show that was super cheesy. And then the actresses were a little wooden. And I don't have either complaint on this one. And then also, I love that one of the sisters is gay and that it has nothing to do with her magical abilities or anything like that. And there's no, like, awkward coming out storyline. It's just part of the tapestry of their life as the whole thing begins and they find out they're witches. And I just, I think that the choice to do this with diversity was really good. I know people had a little bit of uh, skepticism when this was announced. I, I say gave it a shot. I'm, we're three episodes in right now and I'm pleasantly surprised. I'm in. I'll watch it. Thank cool. you for being the guinea pig and letting us know how it is. Yeah, I think it's it's delightful. It's frankly delightful. I haven't been watching as much stuff, so I've been doing more reading. Uh, you know, I love teen books because, you know, I'm basically still age 15. So I read uh, Leah on the Offbeat, which is the uh, sequel to Love, Simon, or the book, which is uh, Simon Against the Homo Sapiens Agenda. And it's the same characters it's the same group of friends but from a different character's perspective like later in the timeline which I don't know if I've ever really seen and it was so good and she's a really fresh female character and it was the right amount angsty but still like we're going to a dance as friends and I just loved I loved her voice it was really really fun and a total delight you could read it in a weekend that's I did not realize there was a sequel to the book I really liked the movie Um, I did too. And I actually really like this sort of thing where there's like a companion novel. Like it makes me think back to like Judy Bloom in the 90s, like just as long as we're together. And then the companion book, here's to you, Rachel Robinson. Big favorites of mine back in the day. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's fun to revisit the same group of friends, but from a different character's point of view. I mean, I thought it was just really smart and really fun. And I'm just like really glad that we have, um, this author and her voice. I think that um, I I read a lot of teen stuff and not all the voices really grab you, but this one did. So I I recommend it. Um, well, I've got a comfort podcast, which mm-hmm. I've been listening to as I've been writing my personalized letters to infrequent voters in Texas <laughs> and Indiana in my get out the vote efforts of late. Uh, it's from the 99% Invisible podcast. I don't know if either of you listen to this podcast. It's about design sort of in the broadest sense. I just listened to an episode about how dinosaurs are are depicted, how they're drawn. But they had a series called Articles of Interest, which was a six-part special series about fashion. And each episode is sort of a self-contained 
episode about something where by the end you're like, I had no idea. So there's one about kids' clothes. And why are kids' clothes so bright and loud and annoying looking? Um, (laughs) They answer that. Why are women's pockets so small? They have an Mm. entire episode on pockets. Uh, The evolution of punk style, which is also fascinating. Like, you think you know these things, but you really don't. And I I really like fashion stuff to begin with, but they're they're just so interesting. It's definitely something that will just uh, take you elsewhere for, you know, 30 minutes or so. Unfortunately, it's only six parts. I would watch an entire season of Articles of Interest. Um, So that's uh, 99% Invisible. The Articles of Interest series started in September. If you subscribe to 99% Invisible, it's only a, a few episodes back. Awesome. If you want a longer podcast, I'm still listening to Binge Mode Harry Potter. <laughs> and we're <laughs> finally on the final book. Um, and I love it. And it is still the light of my life. So <laughs> I thought you were really going to get through this whole episode without mentioning Harry Potter and the like Harry Potter marathons and like everything else. No, that's <laughs> well, to be fair, that's been our total comfort. I mean, just like, we'll just have the movies on or we're listening to podcasts. We, and we're going to probably go back and read the books. And I mean, it's brilliant storytelling. It's total escape and whatever it, 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 it is the fairy tale of our generation. So this is our story. And now that I talked about Harry Potter, this podcast is over. Thank you for listening to another episode of Downton Gabby, Live After Downton. You can find us on Facebook by searching Downton Gabby. You can find us on Twitter at Downton Gabby, on Tumblr at downgabby.tumblr.com. And you can find us on iTunes with our whole back catalog if you go back and watch Downton Abbey as your comfort show, which I have considered. I'm trying to give it a little more time first before I start it over again, but Mm. it's hard. It's hard to resist. Uh, We hope that you will find us in one of those places. And thank you very much for listening. Bye.